Welcome to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast with your hosts, Jeremy Thake and Paul Schaeflein. Each week, you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech, lessons learned, and opinions in this space. And welcome to episode 262. How you doing, Paul? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Yeah, good. We have a fix, hack, learn week at Microsoft this week, which means we can fix things, hack things, or learn things. So I was in manager training all week, which has been really, really cool. An interesting workshop scenario with teams and breakout rooms where you keep going off in pairs and going in threes or whatever, and then coming back to the main room. And they did a really good job of orchestrating it virtually rather than these things being in person with, you know, like sticky notes and whiteboards and well there's been enough virtual events happening is it's about time folks are getting good at it right 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 so and then and then most of my team are off coding and doing bits and pieces so it's gonna be fun next week to get the show and tell of everything everyone was doing how's your week been pretty good yeah just hopping in building new stuff although we did have a fun story there's a new hr director and they're supposed to meet with everyone i said do you really want an hr person to meet a developer <laughs> do you really want an hr person to meet an american <laughs> developer <laughs> you want an hr director to meet me <laughs> shouldn't you be hidden, hidden away <laughs> haven't met with her yet so <laughs> we'll see <laughs> exactly exactly but yeah so it's all good uh yeah job lots of stuff going on lots of moving parts you know it's early in a sprint if you will so and then what have you found out there in the wild this week i've been heads down with this training yeah so i found um a bunch of little things if you will we'll collect them all together the first one is there is a new adaptive cards schema which is probably not useful for anyone just yet because all the hosts need to to adopt it. But the 1.5 schema allows for things such as um, tooltips on the action buttons, uh, an action set overflow region, which means it'll if you know it'll handle if you have too many action buttons. What I'm really kind of excited about is table support. So right now you'd have to do like a fact set, which would give you multiple columns, but no real pl- pretty headers. So that's kind of nice. And then some other, uh, you know, input masking is for passwords or sensitive. So, so it, some improvements there. So look forward to that being the schema gets released first and then it starts trickle down into all the different places. So um, it'll be great. It'll be great to see it. And obviously they, there's a refresh on some of the, some of the SDKs as well. So uh, if you're kicking the tires on that, like I am trying to get the new and improved stuff working. So it'd be great to have new and improved stuff plus uh, new uh, schema looking good. That's cool. I'm glad you spotted that one. Well, I'm kind of up to my elbows in adaptive cards. <laughs> well, yeah, I think more and more people are. Um, Fabian, my team, is working on some of the stuff we announced at Build around universal actions. We need to get him on the show to talk about that a little bit more. Well, and that's actually what I'm working on. Him and I have been uh, chatting quite a bit on, on implementing some of those new things in the in the universal actions. So. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's good that all that stuff is kind of bubbling up on top of the adaptive cards and ton of work the SharePoint team and Viva are doing around adaptive cards too. So it's a cool space to be a part of. What did you see around the generating software bills of material with SPDX at Microsoft? Uh, yeah, another acronym, a couple of acronyms in there, but the moral of the story on this is in response to the SolarWinds supply chain attack that happened to some of the industries here in the United States, there actually is a, a U.S. presidential executive order on improving cybersecurity. And part of that is around what code are you running all the way back from the stuff I've written to all the packages I depend on. And, you know, and there was in the node space, there was a little 
kerfuffle. It wasn't a security risk, but something happened in one of the node in the in the node npm package chain a while back too. And the idea here, of course, is if I'm taking a dependency on some code that I didn't write, how do I know what's in that code? And so the, they are borrowing the concept of a bill of materials that you would see if you were to, to assemble something, you, you know, you, you order 17 screws and 14 washers, and then you have extras, right? But so the idea is the idea around that. And this is a, uh, an article in the, uh, the dev blogs uh, site at Microsoft talking about the work that's happening within Microsoft on meeting this uh, executive order so that you can submit code to the government which I think might be a little bit of a little bit of business for for most software vendors in the world. So uh, not really much actionable, but I put a link in here just because I think if you're writing code or you're running code, you should probably be aware of what's happening and see what's going on, because eventually there'll be ways for you to to check what's there. And if something's been monkeyed with, you get an early warning instead of stuff's broken. Yeah, that's kind of smart. I'm glad we're going to give that guidance and helping developers in that space too. It's, we should probably go find someone to talk to. Maybe the author of this blog post might be interested in. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of ties in with the app certification bits too, right? Because that's certifying, uh, right. you know, who you are. But this is more of like, you know, not only stuff I wrote, but stuff I'm using as well. So early stages, but certainly good. Right, right. And that disclosure. Yeah, I have to join the dots on that. And actually on something similar, you may have noticed our blog platform moved. I didn't. We finally moved off the pile of junk we were using that wouldn't even allow code snippets to look pretty. So we are now part of that same devblogs.microsoft.com platform. James Skay uh, did a blog post on October 15th, so it's actually today, where we talked about some of the features we're doing around um, ISV monetization within Teams. Um, but this kind of plots out the steps for the preview, the developer preview of this now, where you can build an app in the team store and, and basically um, provide a transactable SaaS offer as part of it, wire up the SaaS fulfillment APIs to handle all the marketplace provisioning subscriptions, updating them, canceling them. And, and uh, how you get that to show up in App Source and in the, the Teams App Store with lots of steps off to the documentation and all that stuff in the Teams docs. If you have a cool idea and you want to target 250 million active users across half a billion organizations using Teams every day, time to get in there first would be my only advice. Wait, so I didn't I didn't see this post yet, but so so this it sounds like the partner center or a replacement or addition too, right? That kind of thing. It's an evolved option in the partner center, yeah. Nice. Nice. So yeah. Um, so the the screenshot that James has in the blog post um, specifically has like a buy a subscription button or an add for me button for a Contoso tasks for teams scenario. <laughs> I'm really intrigued to see how ISVs that are out there in the wild that maybe aren't plugged into teams adopt this because they've obviously got their own billing models and subscription models. But I'm also interested to see how many internally they're being called native apps, but like apps that are 100% built for teams that are being put into this store with this, you know, opportunity to build a revenue stream and you know this is something that we talked about a long time ago with SharePoint and you know be able to sell SharePoint web parts through a store and we never quite got there with the SharePoint store whereas this is you know now reality in Teams and kind of excited to see what ISVs come along or 
what new companies come along seeing an opportunity and you know building something in to make users lives easier and plug into a productivity scenario that makes sense inside the team's context so yeah i definitely think first time mover advantage is uh, a benefit yes i like this it, it if you've been paying attention right we've had an api to update the team's app catalog for your tenant and so I can see this building in here. And, and in this blog post, now I do see there's a mention of the ISV program. And I'm going to point folks back to 10 episodes. Elias Drift came on and his his uh, startup was part of the, something similar, I think. So it'd be worthwhile to go get a listen to how Elio has managed to work with this kind of stuff. I don't know if he's in the app store like this yet, but uh, certainly is a tangential thing. So pretty, pretty cool. I like that. The, uh, the next thing I want to call out is that um, there is a new version of the Azure SDK out. Uh, they have monthly releases. And what struck my eye this month is that at least in the .NET core space, so the core library has a delegated token credential type that caught my eye because, hey, wait a minute, we know Microsoft Graph SDK support token credentials. And just to refresh folks who may not have been paying attention, you get one that says work with managed identity, work with you know, the, the browser to let users log in interactively. Well, this new one is kind of like a wrapper. So you know, I've got my own code to get tokens and handle things based on what we're doing. So now I can create a delegated token credential, which calls into my existing code and returns a, an access token. And then I can pass this delegated token credential to the Graph SDK, and boom, now I've, I'm using latest and greatest stuff from the Microsoft Graph SDK. I'm using latest and greatest stuff from Azure Identity, but I still have my token credentials because you know what? When I do tokens, it's different than you do tokens because my business requirements are different than yours. So great to see this. I, I didn't even know it was coming. I saw I was like, holy cow, I got to hop on that. And I've got it running already. It took me half a morning. So pretty good stuff. Look at you. And then there was one by Sam Kogan around time to move to RBAC for Key Vault. Now, you've been dabbling in this stuff too, right? I, I have. And Key Vault has, is wonderful. You shall be using it. And the historically in Key Vault, you had an access policy that you would say, Jeremy's allowed to read secrets and Paul's allowed to read and write secrets, for example, right? right. My admin account can do more things than my regular everyday account. And, and there was this oddball access policy thing that you had to do in Key Vault to make that work. Well, that has now been up, the Key Vault now supports the RBAC, the role-based access control throughout the entirety of, of Azure. So if I create a group in my Active Directory called developers, I can then have those developers have secrets that read, if, for example, <laughs> permissions so that, uh, and we ran into this issue, I switched over a while back based on this, this blog post from Sam because you know, we onboarded a couple dev people and now they can't, how do we get them working on their first day, right? Well, right, right, add right. them to the appropriate groups, but guess what, secrets didn't work because they weren't, they weren't group or role-based there. So uh, Sam says it's time to move. I wholeheartedly agree, it'll simplify your life and Key Vault is super easy now. Yeah. Uh, put your secrets in there. Boom, off you go. I'm using it for almost everything. In fact, uh, we haven't talked about it, but the bicep has matured. Bicep language has matured. And so provisioning, when I provision a new storage account, for example, it automatically puts the secret in the Key Vault. So I don't know what the secret is. It's just boom, it automatically happens. And, and life is so sweet. So nice stuff. It's really cool. Well, um, we had a fun show. Unfortunately, I couldn't make it. I think it was probably European time zones and a bunch of other things. But um, we have Wick DeWillan on, you know, a good friend of ours. And last time he was in town, fun fact, 
Not only did he meet Scarlett, but he met my parents that were also here. We had a good fun chat and he, my parents finally got to meet some of my nerdy friends. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Over a German beer. So Perfect. yeah, so I hope you enjoyed the show. And again, if you've got topics you're interested in at M365DevPodcast on Twitter, um, you can reach out to us and um, we will for sure try and get the right people on to talk about those topics. Have a good week, mate. Enjoy your weekend. See ya. And this week on the podcast, the return, the triumphant return of Victorville. And hey, buddy, how you doing? Hey, Paul, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me back again. It, it's great. Uh, you were on back in February, and since then you changed jobs. And I think they're working you to death because I don't see you, although that could just be the pandemic. But uh, haven't seen you and uh, chatted a while. So thanks so much for coming back on. So now that you're back, why don't you uh, let our listeners know what you're up to these days? Where are you working and all that kind of fun stuff? So I actually moved to the mothership. Uh, so I'm working for Microsoft right now, industry solutions within Microsoft in our modern work solution strategy team. So it's really cool. We'll take a look at the different industries and see how uh, employee experience, modern work applies to them uh, within retail, manufacturing, etc. And uh, on top of the Viva platform. Uh, so it's super exciting to see. I'm building out a couple of things I'm doing around sort of the art of the possible. What can you do with the Viva platform, with the Teams platform, with the SharePoint platform, etc. And having that go out to our sales teams and then eventually to our customers. That's great stuff. So thanks for dipping down with us, with us lowly uh, developer types now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's not that much development anymore, uh, more than PowerPoint uh, alignment <laughs> and those kind of things. But I, I do actually uh, uh, spend some time. Uh, I, I need my dose of programming. so I <laughs> And I do that <laughs> on weekends and, and evenings, as you know. <laughs> yes, that's great. And, and so I, I reached out this time because I'm uh, digging into the Yo Teams generator, updating some stuff, and it's different. Uh, there's been a lot of updates. So first of all, let's start with Yo Teams. Uh, everyone can go listen to the old shows about what it is, but version three is out. Can you give us just a, a big picture of what was the goals for V3? Absolutely. So V3 is probably the biggest release we, we've had about it. Uh, essentially, it was fixing all that crap that was created four <laughs> years ago when we, we initially uh, started the project, uh, fixing some stuff, aligning, reorganizing the project based on uh, how I used the, the generator and the generator or the scaffolded project in, in, in the projects I was doing specifically very large projects, but also aligning to how other node projects are. So it's more like a node project. Uh, if, you, if you're coming from the node world, you should feel more at home. I hope at least most of, most of the influences I had when we started that was uh, when I started with node. And some of the first things I did there was of course TypeScript, but also ba very heavily influenced how SharePoint framework were doing things. But we tried to, to make it more, more easy for a new developer to get in to understand sort of how how the files are scaffolded, what's the client side, what's the server side. And that's also the difference. We have one big uh, sort of application or repo essentially with both client side and server side TypeScript uh, in, in, in what's generated with Joe team. So we needed to figure out a better way to manage that. I, I, I like the changes. The, there is a client folder and a server folder. So, so for example, I'm, this week I'm working on, on doing a task module, but we already have an existing bot. So it's easy enough to say, just work in the client area. Don't worry about the server bit. We'll tie those pieces later. So that's, that's pretty good. And then one thing that, other thing that struck me, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. We, we'll, for example, I launched the Teams FX solution in Visual Studio and it scaffolded out a project. And that was a single page app with one big React app. Whereas in the generator, it's done a little bit differently. Can you put, give us your thoughts on, on that? 
Absolutely, and, and that's a good, very good question. We, I've been thinking about having one big React app as well uh, as an uh, alternative. Right now, uh, we do just for those listeners who haven't doesn't know how Joe Teams works. But essentially, we scaffold out the page for the the tab, the configuration page, and the remove page, and then we instant instantiate the React app on each and every one of those pages. One of the intents with uh, Joe Teams from the beginning was to be able to combine the power of server side rendering and the, the client-side rendering. So that's why we have that page essentially in there. But there's, if you know your way around React, it's very, very easy to, to switch it out to, to one big React app if you want to. Uh, so we, I'll be struggling back and forth. Should I have that as a default option? But I tend to leave it as it is for now uh, until someone votes me down. But I think that's a, a good way to, to manage it because there are scenarios when, when we actually prefer to have server-side rendering. It might be that you want to hide IP, uh, you don't want that in JavaScript, or you want things, uh, uh, data that you can't get uh, from uh, the access token that you use client-side, or you want to uh, essentially speed up the performance of your application. So there are different scenarios. And I think it's a great alternative, right? If you're familiar with the Teams toolkit that, that is in beta right now, uh, if you want to do use uh, more similar to um, uh, start React or create React app, Kind of application that big one application in React you can use that, but also if you want to use an alternative approach, you have the Yo Teams generator. So it's just different uh, sides of the same coin essentially. Yeah, personally, I prefer the smaller chunks because I'm focused on one thing, but I can certainly see the the the, the alignment there. And then the other big news around the generator is that it's the, the repo has moved under the the P and P framework. Can you talk to us a little bit about what we're thinking there? Yeah, absolutely. So we moved this over to the PMP organization. I personally had it in my, uh, my GitHub repo previously, but uh, I don't scale that much, uh, particularly don't now. So I wanted to make it easier for everyone else to get involved. And and it's and PMP is of course a good sort of brand and have it under that umbrella. So getting the power of the full PMP team. And we just recently restarted, if I might say, might say so, the efforts around your teams getting better documentation out. So we have that as a PR right now. I just need to approve it. Uh, we have some, some smaller updates here and there. We have some Hacktoberfest um, PRs as well. So the community is more and more uh, engaged in your teams. That, I, I would guess thanks to PMP uh, and get sort of the, the power of everyone uh, of the community and all the smart people in the PMP organization. Yeah, I agree. Because I remember pitching in back in the day, writing some notes, but I don't know what I'm doing in notes. So <laughs> how useful those notes are. Yeah. <laughs> this is kind of lazy. Yeah. But uh, so I'm, I'm glad to see that. And and so the, yeah, and I've seen the, the, the PR on the docs and that's nice that it'll look like all the other pieces there instead of just a bunch of readme files in, in the repo. So I'm certainly glad about that. Absolutely, and then as you highlighted in one of these discussions as well as we're using in in, uh, in the the repo right now, there are some gaps in documentation. Uh, we need to update both the sort of the simple ones, but also the the, the secret debug flag that you noticed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the answer was Paul was do, using it wrong, so yeah. that's a great that's a great documentation page to say, hey, I have this muscle memory, if you will, from .NET World and or SPFX, and maybe it should work different, you know, and that kind of fits back into your aligning with, with you know with a Node project would look like uh, and the big projects. So when I, what, do you, what does a big project mean to you and, and why do you think the generator helps around that? 
big teams projects is a super good question so it could be a lot of tabs or bots and whatnot but that, that's for me that's not the big teams application a big teams application is probably when you have one bot one tab but it's a complex uh, complex business logic in it so the 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 last big project i did what we had a lot of apis as well so on the server side there we implemented a whole set of apis and all uh, essentially full-blown REST API with crowd operations on a lot of different kind of entities, uh, which blew, blew up quite big, right? And it was actually really, really cool to have everything in the same repo. We could reuse the same interface, the server side and client side and those kind of things, but we shared all the code in there. But yeah, the number of files were, I don't know, thousands of them. Then we had, had unit tests of all of them as well. So, but it's all sort of in the same, in the same folder, so to say, or same, uh, essentially the same project. Yeah, th th well, that's that's interesting, right? So, so an API layer, right? And I guess that kind of we're diving out of this isn't necessarily a Teams question, right? So Teams will let me call an API from from the tab, and I've seen folks struggle with you making sure you got to get the right domain in the the allowed domains section of the manifest or whatever it's called, right? And so I'm guessing part of what you're doing there is alleviating that because it's just whether it's talking to the bot or it's talking to the API, it's all in the same place. Is that that the reasoning behind that? Exactly. Yeah. Then then of course when this uh, whole application is published, uh, we're not. Uh interacting with the, the, the API endpoints directly on, on the app server. So they publish through API manager and all those kind of things. But that's sort of, I see from a developer perspective, you don't have to care about that. That's that's the operations uh, folks that take care of those kind of things later, but that's all all configuration, how those endpoints look like, etc. But we, as a developer, you can have everything running locally on your machine. You don't have to have anything else. So you can sort of run the whole application, have that whole experience. Yeah, yeah. I've run into that issue before running, well, I need to host a SPFX project and it's calling an API. It's got to be somewhere else. And it's talking to a database. You have to start that. Next thing you know, you have 17 things running and yeah. <laughs> and learning how to do multiple endpoints in NGRAC at the same time it can, yeah. can be a struggle. Yeah, um, yeah and, um, and NGRAC leads me to, I think this is a new feature too, right? So I can have the, the generator serve up my stuff, including the NGRAC utility, right? That's new in V3 or is that around for a while? Yeah, that was actually one of the, the earlier things I added with NGROC. So uh, you just type gulp uh, serve NGROC or NGROC serve, I don't remember. I need to type it. <laughs> <laughs> but essentially, that's something that we have automatically. Um, we also added, uh, I think it was in 3.1 or was it 3.2? I don't recall exactly, but we have code spaces support now as well. So you don't have to run anything locally. Essentially, you can go to PMP, uh, aka.ms slash PMP teams quick start. I think... Uh, I'll share the link here with you, Paul. Okay. But essentially, you, j you just fork that repo uh, and you open up that Visual Studio and you have everything running in the cloud. You don't have to install anything on your machine. You can even do it, sort of build a Teams app on your iPad with that experience. So it's really cool. And Codespace has support for those public URLs. That's only one manual thing you need to do is essentially open up that public port uh, and you do that. So it's a really good way to get started. Just fork that repository, have it running in the cloud. Yeah, do it on your iPad or whatever. Yeah, so, so in the code space, you can open the terminal window and type in all the commands that you would yeah, normally do. Exactly. And, and run the generator too, or right? It, it, I can tell to. Yeah. Exactly. So the code space is uh, the repository that you fork is already set up with the container that has your teams, gulp, and everything installed in the correct node versions. There you go. Perfect. So yeah. if you want to get started, and I use that many, multiple times, I just need to test something. How does this look, et cetera? And it takes me 
two, three minutes to have a team set up uh, running in teams. So it's really, really cool. Yeah. And so part of that two to three minutes to get things going is the other improvements I've seen in here. In the, the, the generator repo has multiple packages and one of them is the, the publishing, right? So yeah, the deploy package. Yeah. Deploy. I'm sorry. So tell, talk to us about that. Yeah. So one of the factorings we did in three was to, Previously, we had a big gulp file uh, with all the different tasks that you need to do to serve, to publish, to in in inject uh, CSS and all those kind of things. And, and the problem with that was when someone upgraded a project or we, we fig uh, fixed a bug or whatever, we needed to use um, AST trees to go into that gulp file and figure out if, we, if the user had changed that or those kind of things. So we moved those over to separate in, uh, NPM package. So that's uh, the core build package that we have. But we also added a deploy package. So which means that you can very easily, uh, if you want to test it in Teams, you can uh, just specify the deploy attribute essentially. Uh, to it, and then we'll, you will ask for your signing credentials to your Teams tenant, and we'll upload the Teams package for you. So it's one step easier. And there is, uh, I did a, a demo in one of the PMP calls uh, a few weeks ago, and I did a 15 minute demo uh, creating a tab for uh, using the code spaces uh, repo, and then I uh, set up SSO for that one and published it uh, through to this one in all just 15 minutes. So it's I would say quite easy to do that. Yes, uh, I prepared it a couple of times, so I knew exactly what to do and didn't do any typos. But but essentially, you, you, it, the, the process of, of having something in Teams that you can test and debug are much easier. We also added some things around uh, not, not F5 deployment, but sort of you can attach the debugger much easier uh, if you're using Edge or Chrome. So those kind of things are also in there. So uh, the, essentially the, the VS Code configurations to get your debugging uh, set up faster. So that's also scaffolded with the 3.1, I think that was. Yeah, there's lots of stuff in there. It certainly helps for folks like me who aren't necessarily in that all, all the time. And, and now the deployment to Teams, that's kind of a trend we're seeing a lot. So let's let's take off your generator maintainer hat and put on just your, your, your bigger hat, right? So uh, if, if I just have the code automatically put stuff in, in a tenant, to me, that doesn't seem to scale across dev test production, right? So I'd love to get your, your thoughts on, on how developers should handle that scenario. Yes, and, and to be honest, that deploy package is, I would only recommend it for development. You want to test this in your dev tenant. Instead of going in and then upload your manifest, you can do it through the command line. Uh, if I would do, was to do anything about with production, if I'm allowed to do that anymore in the future, uh, I don't know, <laughs> I would do it through, through either sort of GitHub actions or if, if you're uh, or real Azure DevOps pipeline where you have everything configured. So not only just your app, but also sort of the infrastructure around that with uh, CI, CD uh, and, and release management and all those kind of things. So you can actually test it, move it to your dev tenant, uh, your shared dev tenant that you might have, then to your stage tenant and your production tenant, all sort of gated. And that's something you absolutely should do. Uh, and do not use the, the deploy package to, to deploy to your customer's tenant, those kind of things. That's, that's not the intent of it. It's just to make it one step easier for those who are new to this uh, world, essentially. Yeah, and and so the other thing that uh, I've seen folks struggle with, including devs I'm working with, come around the SSO bits. And so I know that the the generator asks a question: Do you want to do SSO? So first, let's talk about what what, what level of support does the generator give us for the SSO pieces? Yeah. So currently, uh, if you're building a tab with SSO or a bot with SSO, which are the two two examples essentially, you need to provide an, an application ID to. The, the generator. 
we don't do anything with that application. It's just being put into the manifest or if it's used in code, that's the only place. So you actually have to yeah, go to docsmicrosoft.com and, and go to that page, how to set up Teams tab SSO. That's, you need to do that. What we, we do have asks for, and we, we have some really smart folks in the community, as you know. So we are looking into how we actually can make that seamless for you as well, either as a part of uh, the generation or as, which I would prefer is to have a script that you run to do this uh, and you can target it to your different kind of environments. But because typically when I'm scaffolding out a new application, I don't have a tenant. Uh, I don't know the idea of it, etc. So I just scaffold it out and then I might do a mock-up of the page and then I start doing the actual integration with SSO and those kind of things. So uh, the deploy package is using the Microsoft 365 CLI under the hood to upload the package to Teams. And, and we're looking into the same kind of way of having the 365 CLI can already today create an Azure AD app. Uh, that's potentially that what we might use. Uh, there's only one bit missing in there and that though, the, what's it called, the trusted applications, right? Where you need to, to trust the, the Teams desktop and web uh, clients. So that's uh, the configuration that's missing in the 365 CLI. And, but as soon as that's available, we probably merge, not merge, but sort of embrace that into the Yo Teams generator as well. Yeah, and I think that's, uh, I, I have to say, I kind of prefer the approach that the generator does. It's giving me all these pieces because, again, if what if a customer has to provision an app in their tenant or what if what if you need you move, like in, in our scenario, we have multi-tenant applications. And so just having the F5 button do something magically for them doesn't help me when it comes time to, to set it up, right? Yeah. No, and you're absolutely right. And that's also from, from me working with customers. In many cases, we don't have access to our customers' production tenants. They have to do all that. So we need to provide them with, with pipelines and or scripts. And scripts are a very good way of documenting things, in my opinion. So so that's that, that's what I would would like to have to do as well. Yes. And and then um, the last thing that, you know, before we click record, you and I were chatting, of course, and you, and you mentioned a little bit about the samples. And, and it, I just was poking around in the samples repo. And I know there's there's probably 50 different samples for different things. So what, what are your thoughts around the, the generator and some samples? Yeah, absolutely. We have some in, in the PMP Teams samples gallery. There are some awesome uh, samples with both Joe Teams, uh, but also the Teams toolkit if you want to do sort of compare how the solutions look like. So, but yeah, that's, uh, I think Martin, uh, Marcus Muller has been really good in creating some really cool examples uh, how to use SSO and all those kind of things in there. So, you should absolutely check that out to get some ideas on what to do. But also, when I think about samples for, for Yo Teams, I'm thinking about what's being scaffolded out of the box, right? Have something good for you to get started. So that's something we are looking into. Should they be richer or should they be a sort of bare bone minimum? And, and I'm leaning towards both. I want to provide a great experience for uh, people starting with building Teams applications, but also if I'm building something for myself, I want it to be as bare bone as possible. So I just add the stuff I want. So it's something we're sort of debating over there. The first thing we're going to do is to take a look at how the bot is scaffolded out and make it much more similar how the Microsoft Bot Builder team has made their samples. So we can easier copy, easier copy paste from those and, and reuse, uh, I, I don't know, everything from the different kind of dialogues and examples that's already, that are in there. 
Well, yeah, there's only like 40 samples in the Bot Builder repo, so good, yeah. good luck trying to find out which one to do, yeah. right? But, but that's always a struggle, right? And, and and I think, to me, though, the bot seems a little bit more straightforward. It, to me, it's more of a concern in, in the client side, right? Just like we've seen in SPFX, what framework do you want to use mm-hmm. or no framework at all, as opposed to what capabilities should things, things do? So... The I'm sure there's a lot of thoughts of people listening who may or may not be as part of the community. So first, uh, first of all, we should probably just say, right, uh, where where is the discussion list for for items that we're talking about here and considering? Yeah, exactly. If you go to aka.ms slash teams, uh, you can, of course, submit an issue if you think, think something's wrong or if you have sort of a direct uh, uh, feature feedback, something you want in the product or asking of the product. But we also have the discussion, the GitHub discussions forum, which I think is a great way to have an open discussion before we actually can spec it down to, to a feature or something for to a feature request. Yeah, and I think something along the lines of samples is probably great to start a discussion about what you would want to do or not do and and let folks chime in. Um, a great example for those who may have been following, right? I, I had some thoughts around how to do, you know, the gulp serve bit, right? And it turns out uh, there was a reason it was done the way it was and Paul again was holding it wrong. And so um, I don't know if a PR is going to actually come out of that discussion or not, but uh, maybe it doesn't need to. So I certainly encourage folks folks uh, to get involved with that. Yeah, and also thinking, speaking of that, it's not just features to this. Uh, as I mentioned, we are working on the documentation, right? So, and, and we have samples and, and I think the samples are uh, as they are and should be in fairly advanced, but we also need, if you do have suggestions to very simple tutorials, I need to know how to do an SSO tab. Yes, as I said, you need to go to docsmicrosoft.com and then go into and, and build it to your, with your teams. But do you think we should have a combination of that and copy paste some of the stuff from docsmicrosoft.com into a, a specific version of, uh, or edition of uh, your teams as how to set up SSO, for instance? That's a great way to get engaged in the community as well. Go in there and make a pull request, add a markdown file with uh, some simple steps. Instead of providing a full sample, you can sort of create a tutorial and help out with documentation. Yeah, and I think that I, I would second that, right? Uh, having the steps, at least in, in documentation first. And if we see a lot of people doing the same steps, make, automating that is pretty straightforward, but it, certain, it certainly is helpful. Is there any other uh, big picture items that you didn't get to for version three that you're thinking about now that you're overworked? So any, or any calls to action for folks? Of course, uh, the big actions, uh, yeah. The big thing is still uh, to improve performance of the solution, of the build time. Uh, we recently had a very good uh, PR to give you some background, we're using Webpack, uh, both to, to build the server-side stuff and the client-side stuff. Uh, on the client-side stuff, it's bundling and minification, all those kind of things. So each every, every time you save the file, it went through all the node modules. And as you know, there's a gazillion of node modules and packages, right? <laughs> and, and try to optimize that and build the, the, the good bundle, even though it wasn't, wasn't minified for development, but all that tree shaking and all that kind of stuff. So it took uh, uh, the first time at least 20 seconds. And depending on how much horsepower you have in your machine, it yeah, could go down to a couple of seconds. But we had a f- fantastic PR that uh, uh, that's using the, the built-in Webpack dev server to get this rebuild down to a couple of seconds, uh, sometimes sub-second, depending on what machine you are. So that, I, th- I think that is great. And that was one of the things that's been on my agenda for, for a long time. I, I, tested, I tested out the Webpack dev server a while back, but didn't get it to work then. But there's folks are smarter than me. Uh, I, we discussed going using Bubble JS and other kind of frameworks to, to speed up the process. But that's sort of where I wanted it to go. Uh, so that was a big thing, a big milestone for, for me uh, and Joe teams. 
let's uh, I'm just bringing up here sort of the the issue list we have right now I don't think there's any big things in there we, what we do want to do is provide more guidance on the deployment as we mentioned right uh, having some scripts in there those kind of things uh, I mentioned the, the rebuild bot implementation but the biggest thing we're probably going to add soon and uh, there are folks working on it is the support for meeting extensions uh, so you can much easier scaffold out a, a very simple meeting extension and be up and running with that. Today, you need to go into the manifest and fiddle around with that a little bit to get, to get that to work. And then we have some things uh, we should, can't, yeah, can't pro- talk publicly on the, the, <laughs> the podcast about, but there's some, some cool stuff coming up. Hopefully, we can hear more about that at Ignite and later. Yeah, well, so you know that I hadn't thought of that, but um, knowing that uh, the one of the maintainers of the generators inside Microsoft and can plot about how how best to support improvements to the team service, that's that's really exciting. I really look forward to that, right? So, um, and it does remind me, I do have a either a PR and a discussion item because there's no easy way to generate a task module, which I know in the client side is just a tab, but the the little handler bits that you might need to put in the bot. Um, so I guess I should go. I guess I should go scale, create one of those. Huh? <laughs> uh, to be totally honest, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think there's a way if you choose a uh, search-based messaging extension, and you can choose task module in there. But I don't think I ever tried that example more than I did it. So it probably <laughs> is due to be refreshed, I guess. Yeah, great, great stuff in there. Awesome, awesome. Um, the last thing I, I want to talk about, and this is really, a, you know, Paul's lack of knowledge when it comes to the node world, right? So we, we talked about how I can I can deploy to the team's tenant with my stuff, but that's not all the pieces, right? So I have a client side and, and or server side piece that need to get deployed somewhere, right? Does the generator help with that? Or are you just relying on my knowledge of node or what, what's the thoughts there? No, we don't help with that. Uh, and. and- with a little bit of history lesson first, we did have support for deploying directly to an Azure Web App uh, with the Git integration they have to, to Azure Web Apps. Uh, and we removed that in version three, I think it was, because nobody was using that. And, and it's yeah, it's not really a good idea to use that Git integration where you just push to your, to your web app. So in, instead, we relied on, on you using your traditional ways of deploying stuff. But as you said, the Teams app, yes, it's a manifest and a package and you upload that to Teams. Uh, but then you need somewhere to host your logic, your client side, your server side, and those kind of things. And with your Teams, you can deploy it to anywhere, right? You can deploy it to Azure if you want to. You can deploy it to whatever server you have. Uh, it might be your own cloud or preferred provider or any other kind of cloud vendor. So as long as they can run a node package. So you can de- deploy it to Kubernetes cluster, to Docker container, and those kind of things. But typically, you need a web application that hosts your server-side files, the actual web server. Uh, typically, that's also the, the client-side components. Sometimes you want to offload them to CDN, but you can do that. But I, I, as I said previously, I highly recommend using GitHub Actions to do all of this, to build the file, to run your unit tests, to run node pruning. Uh, and node pruning is essentially removing those node models that aren't used. When you install a node package, uh, it has a lot of dependencies, and many of them are, aren't used at all. So node pruning both optimizes that and re- reduces the footprint of your application. So it's the bare minimum that you need to run the application. But then deploy it to whatever you want to, right? So typically, a, a Azure Web App or a container or a, a, a Kubernetes cluster, that's how it's being deployed. And then you have all the, the fancy uh, infrastructure as a code on the side to set up uh, Azure API Manager, uh, at a front door, uh, whatever, right? 
CDMs. Yeah, at that point, it's it's whatever works best for your organization, right? Instead of trying to opinionate on that. And I and I know you had a, a blog post just some of this, so we'll put that uh, link in the show notes as as well for folks to get more of uh, your your thoughts and on how to do that. So, uh, great stuff, really exciting, and I'm I'm hoping that we uh, we get more folks jumping in with uh, great ideas and PRs and stuff. It, it's moving. I already promised I'll update the docs, but I'm not doing the make it look pretty bits. So I'm just doing the, <laughs> the words behind the scenes. So yeah. Uh, yeah. be great to have more folks around. And thanks so much for taking time doing this. I know it's, a, it's evening for you, so I appreciate it. And I look forward to chatting next time. Awesome. Always fantastic talking to you, Paul. Thanks for listening to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at M365DevPodcast. And check out our show notes at www.m365devpodcast.com. To help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes. That's all, folks. 